Well, thank you. Super good morning to be here. I loved how there was things in the worship this morning that just were affirming, I feel like, the Lord's heart in preparation for this, for this time. Um, I just got to start by saying a little something about me. I am a farm girl, and uh, I grew up in South Dakota. I grew up amongst farmers and hunters and wide open spaces and places where you could drive for a really, really long time and see nothing but maybe a fence post or a um, power line. And uh, it's beautiful to me. It's beautiful to me. It is simple. And I feel like that landscape and growing up in, in that environment has actually forged a lot of my spirituality into, in, in, in some very unique ways. But I love traveling back to South Dakota. I love traveling back, like where else can you go where a hotel will set a five gallon bucket at the door, a nice hotel, and say, by the way, we have rags here for your hunting dog's paws and your guns. Mm -hmm. South Dakota, that's it right there. And, uh, but I love, I love going back because life there is very simple. And when I say simple, I don't mean simple and foolish. I don't mean simple like not very smart, although some may beg to differ about that. I mean, it's unpretentious. It's forthright. You kind of get what you see. And there's something really beautiful about that. And we live in a very, very complex time and a complex world. And yet Jesus, I think, often is beckoning us back to things that are very simple. Because simple can be very consequential. Let's just stop for a minute and think about the simple things that you learn in preschool. I was a preschool teacher at one point. Oh my gosh, it was the most fun job ever. And uh, here's the things we learn in preschool that are simple. Be kind, say I'm sorry, share, don't pee in the garbage can, use the urinal. Mm -hmm. And those are really simple things, but they don't go away because how many of us know if you're an adult and I don't know how to say I'm sorry, or forgive somebody. They're pretty consequential in life, right? So as I was praying, actually, Joshua called and said, hey, we're going to be gone. Would you have some bandwidth this week? And I actually did have some space. And so I was just started to ask the Lord, Lord, where do you, what's, where are we going? What's on your heart for this people, for this time, for my life right now and this day on Sunday? What do you want to, what do you want to do? And I could not get away from the supremacy and the simplicity of knowing Jesus. I just couldn't get away from it. I just kept getting drawn back to it. I'm like, well, Lord, you know, this is, this, is, this is Disciple 101, right? We hang out with you. We spend time with you. We know you. But it just felt like Jesus was saying, just, I want you to know me more. I want you to come in deeper. Because you're never going to exhaust knowing me, Patty, and none of us ever, ever will. And so this message in some ways is a little bit simple, but I believe it's the heart of God saying, just as we sang, you call me deeper still. You're calling me deeper still. This doesn't stop. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And I hope by the Spirit of God, we're, we're provoked to go deeper 
to engage the first thing, the simple thing of just knowing him more. So in the scripture, there are some heroes. I think we could throw out some heroes. Actually, let's do a little group participation right now. Crowd participation, it's nine o'clock. We gotta wake up, here we go. If you were gonna call out a hero of the faith in the Bible, someone who knew that you could say, yeah, they knew God, give me a name. Ruth, David, Peter, Jonah. (laughs) There's tons of them, right? Okay. So we know, like, look at Abraham. Okay, so he's called a friend of God. Friend of God. He knew God. We look at Moses, and Moses, it says, talked to God face to face as a man would talk to a friend. Moses talked to God face to face. So they had, he knew God. And it's interesting when we look, there's Paul, we're going to go on, but as we look at some of these, these people in the Bible, it was actually, it's interesting to me, and, 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 and telling for us that their knowing of God actually pro- propelled them to know him more. It was in the knowing that they were propelled to know that there was more to know. So Moses, God is saying, okay, take the people, lead them, we're going. And Moses is saying, okay, I don't even know how to do this, but he's spending time, he's in the, he's in the tabernacle meeting face to face, and, and, and God's, and he are, are dialoguing. And in the midst of his knowing, there's like this boldness where, where Moses says, did I say Noah? I'm talking Moses. Did I say Noah? Okay, tell, if, I, if I get a wrong name, somebody go, hey. hey. Moses says, now teach me your ways. Like, I know you, but I want to know your ways. And then God, God does. God says, I'll, I'll answer that. My presence is going to go with you as you lead these people, and you're going to see my ways. And then he takes it a step further, and Moses says, I want to see your glory. And God does it. And he likes it. That Moses has said, I must know you more. And God takes him at his word and he provides a secret place where he tucks him in and lets all his goodness pass in front of him, his glory. The Lord, the Lord, the gracious God, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. There was a more to knowing God. And it's a good thing Moses said, God, can you teach me your ways? That's a good thing for us to take into the knowing of God more because we already know for sure. Isaiah said it. God prophesied through Isaiah, my ways are not your ways and your thoughts aren't mine. I wish actually when I first started to walk with Jesus that that would have been the first thing. God's ways aren't going to be yours and his thoughts aren't. Just just settle that. (laughs) Just settle that one right up front. It's just going to make things so much easier. We just get to yield. Oh yeah, they're just going to be way up here and they're going to be different than mine, but I can know them. I can know them. So then there's David. And we know from early on, David knew God. David, as a boy, was isolated out with the sheep. And so here he's developing a relationship with the living God. He's talking, he's singing, he's, just, he's looking at God's creation. And it's the, it's the young man who says, I'm going to defy the Philistine because I know the God he's up against right now because I know him. I don't know why these other guys are not standing up against him because I know this God that he's defying. But yet David continues 
to press on to know God. And all through the Psalms, here's the cry of a man who has found God, who has found him, but continues to find. And his Psalm that says, Lord, here's the one thing. Can I just dwell in your house? Here's the one thing. Here's the one thing. Through everything that I've lived, through everything I've done, here's the one thing. To dwell in your presence and to behold your beauty. We sang about the beauty of the Lord today. When's the last time you actually kind of had just a, a, maybe it was this morning, I hope, just a fresh revelation of the beauty of the face of Jesus, the kindness in his eyes, the tenderness in his approach, the fire in his eyes. And then there's Paul. Paul has encounter after encounter after encounter with the living God. Paul plants churches. Paul births churches. Paul goes back and establishes churches. Paul has signs and wonders and miracles and persecutions. And in it all, Paul writes from the Philippian, or writes from the jail to the Philippians, I consider all of it. I think he's talking every missionary journey, every person that gets set free of a demon, everything that's happened. He says, I consider all of it a loss so that I can know him more. There is something in the simplicity of knowing Jesus that never gets old. It never gets old. And I feel like the Lord this morning just wants to invite us in again. Come and know me more. Come and know me more. Come and know me more. In fact, when Jesus called the first disciples, here's, here's how it went down. <laughs> it says that he called them to be with him and then send them out. He called them to be with him and then that he might send them out. This knowing, this being always precedes the going. Always, always, always. It always precedes the doing. In fact, everything flows from this, from this place of I'm knowing him and he's knowing me and I'm knowing him more. I'm growing in that. So it seems as we're looking, as we're looking at just a few, I'm not going into more examples in the scripture of these men and, and women. I mean, Anna, Anna's just hanging out in the temple courts every day. Anna, so many. They're just waiting. They're, 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 they're modeling almost the parable that Jesus gave about the man who found a, a treasure buried in a field. And in his joy, he went and he got rid of everything and he came back and he bought the field because he found the treasure. It's like, that's, that's what David's doing. That's what Moses is saying. That's what Paul is doing. There's a treasure that I'm mining and, and, it, and it doesn't stop and everything else doesn't matter but this thing. So is the treasure... This is my question for me, for us this morning. Is that treasure the unsurpassed gift of ongoing knowing God, knowing Jesus, knowing the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the fellowship we've been invited into? Is that treasure, am I going deeper into that? Oh, that's why Paul wrote, oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom of God. Like I can't, I can't get, I can't get to the end of it. I can't get to a place where we've stopped. <laughs> I can't get to a place where it's old news. 
Okay. But if we're honest, <laughs> we get there, right? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Some of us have been walking with Jesus a long time, and some of us have been in, engaging, knowing him, and being in his word. And uh, sometimes, and then sometimes some of us would just settle maybe for a little bit of day-old bread instead of, you know, fresh manna that he wants to give us every day. Or a podcast, or somebody's teaching, or whatever, instead of face-to-face -face with him. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like, again, it's that difference between let's just be really simple in our pursuit of Jesus amidst a very complex world right now. And I mean complex because there's so much information. I could listen to any teacher I want to online. I could listen to any political topic I wanted. It's just continual information, information, information. And if we're not careful, that floods right into this very core relationship that's meant to be Christ in me, me in him, an ever-increasing glory of his life being, being conformed in me and me knowing him because it's through that lens that I actually view everything else in life. It's through that core that I actually even have ability to think about all the complexities of life. So let's talk a little bit. Jesus, in Matthew 6, 6, is talking about prayer. And, um, and when I'm talking right now about pressing on to know the Lord, the simplicity of knowing God more, we can call that a thousand things. You can call that your quiet time. Some of you, it's loud. You can call that daily devotional. I, you know what? The name doesn't matter. I like to keep it really simple. Like, I just, I was with God intentionally. That's, you know, and, and uh, some of us can be kind of hung up a little bit, like, oh, did I have my daily quiet time? Or, oh, did I, you know, read my Bible? You know, we just want to just dismantle all that stuff of <laughs> shoulds and, and, and make it all about, I know that my heart connected with God's heart today in a moment of time. He and I, we sat together. He talked to me today. I experienced his presence and his word was alive in me. And he heard me. That's as simple as it needs to be. But it does need to be, I believe, intentional. And Jesus talks about this in a, a bit of an intentional way too. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, When you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut your door, Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees and hears in the secret will reward you openly. Having a secret place. Okay, God's not talking about you got to go in your bedroom or you got to go. It's basically, this is, there is a time, there is a place, there is a moment in my 24 hours that I'm awake because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. There is a moment, there is a time where I get to shut everything else out and just be with him. This is the life of a disciple. This is the life. That's real life. This is where all things are made new. This is where I know him more. Because he's there. It says he's there. I'm actually going to where he is. In the secret place. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a secret because it's just me and him. I'm not letting anybody else know where I'm going with him. It's just me and him going. 
we're going to hang out there. But I want to talk a minute about the power of this secret place and how it, just a couple of things, just a couple of things, why it's so consequential. Remember, it's simple. It's simple, but it is consequential. It has great weight to it. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that, and we who with an unveiled face all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. Here's what happens when I'm with him. I get transformed. I get transformed. This is where transformation happens. Not only here, but a big piece of it sure does. Because I am with him the God who changes me. We get delivered, we get encouraged, we get healed, we get strengthened. You name it, all the things we can't do for ourselves happen when I am connecting with the source of my life. <laughs> it just really is. I mean, I remember a couple of times, I'm going to just tell a funny, a quick little story. There's no one who knows us like God. We don't even know ourselves. <laughs> we don't. The way he knows us. And there's no one who can actually bring change in my life like he can. My husband tells me I got a flaw and he want, you know, points out, I don't want to hear it. God tells me, oh man, I like it. Because he's so precise and he's so perfect and he touches on things and he sees things and he reveals them like no one can because he's the master physician. I'm his workmanship. He made me. He knows what motives are going on in there when I don't. And so when he brings a word of correction or a revelation to me about something hidden inside me, and believe me, he can and he does, he's the best counselor in the world, when he does it, it this is the brilliance of God. He brings correction that feels so good you want to do it. Who can do that? <laughs> Nobody is equal to that task. Because it comes with such love and such knowledge of who you are. You don't have to explain yourself. I don't have to explain myself. He knows why I do any broken thing I do. <laughs> and here's what he's doing. He's always freeing us. Everything God's doing is always about freedom. If you ever think God is asking you to do something that's not leading you into freedom, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's probably not him. Because even the hard things, they're all about moving me into freedom. Always, always, always. That's the goal. Who doesn't want to be more free? So I was in, uh, there was a time when we first moved down we, uh, to Eugene. Steve and I had been in YWAM, some of you know that. And um, we, the Lord called us down to Eugene. It was really out of, off our radar. Didn't, we didn't feel like that's where we were going to be, but we came and we were in the midst of being in a church that had some really difficult things happen in its past. It was a new staff and there was a lot of rebuilding and it was like, felt to me, it felt like I went from this green luscious field to the rubble and we are rebuilding and it was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. On top of it, went from having no children to two children in about I don't know, what was it, two years, I guess? It was, like, it was like having twins, actually. I had one the first year we moved, and, and five months later, I was pregnant again. Wow, I don't know. It just was one of those seasons, I guess. Um, but anyway, I had two little guys. 
And so, as you can imagine, that easy schedule of, wow, when I'm going to hang out with Jesus was not super easy anymore. Can mom, young moms in here go, amen, where is that, you know? And by the miracle grace of God, or perhaps it was, um, I don't know, something my boys will need counseling from, I got them on a schedule. <laughs> I got them on a nap schedule, and every day from 1.30 till about 3, they were both sleeping. <laughs> it was a new day. It was a breakthrough. That was, that was a breakthrough. <laughs> Anyway, in that time, there was a million things I wanted to do. I wanted to do this thing. I don't ever get time for it. I needed to clean that thing. But there was enough in me to know I've got to be with you, Jesus, because I'm going to be a really mean mom if I'm not. And uh, one day I was spending time with the Lord. The boys were down for their nap, and I was kind of whining. I, I really was. I was like, it's so hard here. It's just really hard. And... God, this is so dry. You know, it was just kind of doing this. And it was real. Okay, the transition. Let's just be real. The transition was a big deal. God knows. And, but I was kind of, you know, I was lamenting. I'd call it Patty's lament. I was lamenting. And, and Lord, there's not people to run with here. And the Lord says, where's that deep fellowship of the Spirit? Blah, blah, blah. All these things. And just like this, I just felt like I heard the Lord say, Patty, self-pity self doesn't fit you anymore. And it was just kind of like, yeah, it doesn't fit you. You're my daughter, and I have everything you need. There's no lack for you here. And do you know, it just called me up. I just, uh, I didn't feel like God didn't know, and he didn't hear, and he didn't understand. I felt so heard, so understood, so loved, and so lifted up and changed. And that began a real season of saying, I have no lack. I'll be like a well-watered garden planted by the streams of life every day, all the days of my life. Why? Because I have a source I'm going to. It's called Jesus. <laughs> it's not about what's happening out here in my life. We are transformed in his presence. He's speaking life to us. It was a transformation moment, and it continued. And what happens in that transformation is we, we start to come into, it's one thing to know we're a son and a daughter and we know it in our heart or we know it in our head. I'm a son of God, I'm an heir, I'm a daughter, I'm royalty. But, but how does that get transformative? And how does that actually work into the fiber, the deep motivational things of how and I live and the ways I think and what I do? It happens in the secret place. It happens like that encounter with, with Jesus saying to me, it doesn't really fit you. You're acting like you have lack. You don't. You just don't haven't, you haven't drawn on me enough. I've got what, everything you need. And when we're transformed, it's consequential. You see, simple, but it's consequential. All of creation is longing, it says, for the sons of God to be revealed. The sons and daughters, the transformed ones that carry his weight and his glory and who live, from it, live with one foot on this earth with the sons of men and one foot firmly planted in the kingdom and drawing from there. That's the sons and daughters of God. How do we get there? It's not just this. God's got to work something into the fiber of who I am. It's the weight of his glory. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Another thing that happens in that drawing on and knowing God more is really power and authority increases in our life. 
Power and authority doesn't come from talking louder or believing harder. It comes from deeper surrender to the one who has all authority, putting myself close and needy, bringing nothing to the table. <laughs> I really bring nothing to the table. But I'm letting his word transform me. I'm letting his presence change me. And, he, and we're receiving power to do. It's, you know when someone is, it was, I don't know, I guess I won't give that example, but when we have been and are with Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the secret place, and he's talking to us through his word or by his spirit, or he's, and we're just absorbing, we're in his presence, we're with him, there's things that we take away that we know, and we know them firsthand. That's the increase, I would say, of power and authority. I did not take, get this teaching from somebody else. I did not get this thought. Now, I'm not advocating that we do not need the teaching gift in the body of Christ that equips us. We do need teaching. I read books. I got a stack by my bed like this. I'm a reader. We need, okay, all of it. I'm not advocating we don't need that. It's just me and God. I'm not saying that. You know that, all right? Don't go there. But what I am saying is my hurt, my own history, my own drawing from God himself really increases his power and authority at work in my life and then through it because I'm able to give away something that's already in me. It's working in me. Came from him face to face. And also that we're just letting him feed us. You know, I can't tell you, I just believe there's so many people that I just think right now about the people that are around your life and how many of them, how many of them want to literally have to touch you and, and find something substantial about God. You know, like, I just, like, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but I, sometimes I see that. I just see the world around us near us going, I don't know God, but I'm, there's something in your life that is substantial. It's, it's, there's something real there. So it's simple, but it's consequential. This being with Jesus, knowing him more and having things to give away. All right. I want to wrap up. I don't know what time. Anyway, I don't even, can't even really see the clock there, but I'm going to wrap up because it's, because it's about time. I'm going to just share a couple of things, and this is not how to spend time with Jesus. You know, I learn from a lot of people, but I th and um, so what I'm, what I'm sharing is more just, I'm just going to share a couple of personal things that have helped me, you know, and if it works, if something helps you, I'm always, I'm always open to having others offer things into my life that, how do you hang with Jesus? How do you hang out with God? What is your time like? What does that look like? And it can be, it, there's no formulaic. It's so relational. But I do think there's a few things that have moved me into knowing him in deeper ways. And I think a lot of it has started here in the mind. This is never a have to. This is an invitation I'm responding to. Come and know me, Patty. Come and know me. Come and know me more. If you're bored with somebody's sermon at church, it's probably because Jesus wants to give you one himself. 
It's really, really true. He wants to feed us the bread of life. And then I would just say something that helped me too to keep this hunger alive and growing is letting God set the agenda when I come to him. Hi, what are we doing here today? What do you want to talk about? Because it's going to be way more interesting than what I want to talk about. I mean, it just is. And it's not that I don't think about what I need in my life. I just think less about it. And as I get caught up in whatever he wants to do and whatever he's saying, these things really tend to take care of themselves. He's a good dad. He knows my needs. He's not spending my life. He's enriching it. He's enlarging it always. And so when I come, um, I, yeah, I got these things I want to pray about. These are things on my heart. You already know them, Lord. Here they are. Now, what do you got going? What are you doing today? Because I'm living in a really big kingdom I get to explore. So what do you want to talk to me about? I was looking back over my journal in this last year, and I feel like the perpetual thing I keep praying, and I feel it's the Spirit of God because He wants to do it, is give me eyes to see and ears to hear you. I can't get away from that prayer. And even when I'm driving sometimes, I'm just still saying that. Lord, it's me eyes to see you. Eyes to see you. That's kind of what he's doing right now with me. Growing in that heart posture of being a listener. This is hard in our society. It's hard to find place where you are quiet. It's a discipline. We get away with pastors once a year. And let me tell you, spiritual leaders, you know, who it, sometimes it's really hard to wind down and just get quiet with God. It's important. But posturing as a listener, what does he want to say today? And then here's another little thing. I, this, some of you guys, you probably I got this totally down. I, I think about it, though, a lot with younger people maybe. But when we come, just be who we are. Just be exactly who you are. We aren't coming with any pretense. We aren't coming with any special words that we think he wants to hear or how we should be. We're just coming. We're just get to be childlike, simple. Let's just be simple about how we're engaging in coming to Jesus. No pretense, just keep it simple. And then for me, another thing I do, you know, like some people go through a book of the Bible a year or, or read through the whole Bible. Some people, you know, pray, Lord, where should I be reading right now? Some people just kind of shotgun approach it. For me, when I'm feeling like I'm a, I, like, I just really want to look at you, Jesus, not necessarily theology and all that I'm going to take out of Galatians and Romans and here's what the church is and Ephesians. I just want to look at you, Jesus. I mean, he's the revelation of the whole Bible, but for me, I just want to park in the Gospels for a while. I just want to see what he's doing. I want to see what he's saying over and over. And the other place I like to, to do that, that really grabs my attention, is in, in the book of Isaiah. That's just me. Because Isaiah talks about God's bigness. So I got Jesus who's right here among us. And then I've got Isaiah talking about the sovereign God, maker of the universe. And those two things together, wow. I'm not, I'm not going to get bored for a long, long time. The depth and the riches and the wisdom. And then I like to journal, and I would encourage you, write down the things that God gives you. Because I go back and I look and I will see the theme of what the Holy Spirit is actually working into my life and changing me. And then I will also see if I am 
doing that word or if I'm just hearing. Because that's a super significant part. So go into the secret place. Take your Bible, acknowledge the Holy Spirit, and just be present. There's nothing else that we need. This is simple stuff, but it's consequential stuff. It's the thing. God is amazing, infinite, sovereign, but he's personal and near. Who is like him? Who is like that? No one. There is no one. Would I not be able to spend a big chunk of my day with him? He's the most exciting person on the planet. In the book of Revelation, we get a glimpse of these 24 elders. They're around the throne. They're casting down their crowns. They're saying, worthy, holy is the Lord. If we have an invitation to know that God in an ever-increasing way, I'm saying yes. I'm signing up for that. I'm signing up for that. I just want to pray and we'll close out. <laughs> Jesus, I, I just want to say that, um, you know, there's just nothing that can compare to you. And sometimes we do think there's things that, are, that compare and it's all such a lie. <laughs> Somehow we think something needs to be bigger, glitzier, brighter, more exciting, more thrilling, and there isn't. There just isn't. There never will be. And so we just embrace the truth that you are the desire of the nations and the longing of every heart. You are the sustainer of all things. You have preeminence, and yet you would live in us. Oh God, I just say, have your way in, in drawing us in afresh every day. To see you, to know you, to be transformed, to be filled, to be empowered, to be enabled, and to see you and to know you and to be satisfied like nothing else will satisfy us.